0: You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Uh, Our question today is, why have numeric goals in Reimagine? So this is a question that has come up from time to time in the Reimagine classes. And if you haven't taken the Reimagine class, number one, you should. But as you do, you'll see that uh, we have three specific numeric goals that we want to try to attain over the next 30 years. So the question we're answering today is why it's an important discussion for us as a church. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Uh, welcome in to Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. Got with me today, uh, the rest of our leadership team, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, and Stacy DiNardo. And so the question we're gonna answer today is, why have numeric goals in Reimagine? And it's interesting, this is a question that's come up from time to time as we've started to talk about Reimagine and roll things out. And if you take the Reimagine class, you'll find out, within it, that we have three very big and very specific goals. And really, dreams is probably a better word, but they have numeric values attached to them. We want to see 10,000 people come to know Jesus within 10 miles of our church. We want to see 60 churches planted and give away $30 million uh, to global missions around the world all in the next 30 years. And those are very specific, and they're very big. So the question you might ask is, why do we have numeric goals? Why assign numbers to uh, the work of the church? So that's kind of our, our starting point. For today,
1: yeah, I think a good starting point here is to say that without measuring something, you don't really know if it's happening. I I think that that is a good starting point. Why measure anything? Well, the reason is because measuring something allows you to say we did that well or we didn't do that well. In the absence of measuring, you're left with just a general feeling or sense which I think we worry for ourselves as church staff that it's just easy to say, hey, we're, we should make disciples. Are we doing that? Yeah, we feel like we are, and let that be the point, that measuring something is to say, hey, it really matters that this happens. How will we know if this happened in the way it was supposed to or at the level it was supposed to? And and numbers are helpful in that way. I think that's a good starting point.
2: Yeah, let's start with the first goal. Uh which is 10,000 people in a 10-mile radius. Uh, part of what, what drove that uh, is that uh, that is the commission that yep. Jesus gave, right, that uh, people come to know Jesus. And we have found that uh, for our church, the more established a church is, the longer it's around, um, usually the fewer uh, new Christians uh, come to—new people come to faith— That's just the way things work. So uh, what we were trying to do is to say, uh, listen, we want to start to focus. Uh, There's kind of an inverted uh, line where the longer you're a Christian, the fewer non-Christian friends you have. That's just the normal kind of thing. So part of Reimagine was to try to get all of us uh, who have been Christians uh, for a long time out back doing what we are supposed to do according to Jesus which is form relationships with people who do not yet know him and try to help them come to know him. So we, uh, we know that, that uh, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can bring someone to faith in Jesus. Uh, so our real goal uh, is that every person in a 10-mile radius within the next 30 years will have a, a Jesus-following friend, a Christ-following friend. And we feel like through that, then 10,000 people will come to know Jesus.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's getting over the sticker shock of like 10,000 people in 30 years, you know, who are you to think you can do that? Instead saying, well, let me just put it this way, pre-COVID, if we had 4,000 people on a weekend, what we're really just saying is over the next 30 years, we want each one of them to lead one person to Christ who leads one person to Christ, and you're already almost there, right? So when you put it that way, if you say, hey, we just want every person who comes to our church to know Jesus and to lead one person in the next three decades— to faith in Jesus. Well, that almost sounds too small. Exactly. And yeah. yet right. that would result oh, yeah. in the number that we're talking about. And so instead, that number just becomes a metric by saying, how will we know if we're a church that cares about sharing the gospel with lost people? Well, each one of us would lead a person to Christ. Exactly. Well, that would years. equal this number, right? So, well, yeah,
2: and I... people need to know too that we've been a church that has talked about numbers before, just not numbers that. Uh, I think it comes with the new vision and people want to go, oh, I, I don't know why we're asking. But when we do Thanksgiving baskets, we count those. Time. And oh, yeah. we say we want 1,400 Thanksgiving baskets to go out. When we do just because cards, for years we've said 10,000 acts of generosity.
1: But – yeah Go but num- numbers matter because people matter right. like it's a person, and it's a person that again, for the glory of God, can come into relationship with him so and in each one of these numbers, in each one of the thanksgiving baskets, it's because those numbers are about people and right. showing compassion and care
2: or whatever it might be through and the New his Testament efforts.
1: is not against using numbers, you know we know, for right? example, at the day of Pentecost that three thousand people came to faith, well, somebody had to track that? that, yeah, because numbers mattered to them, right it It mattered to them, not in the sense of. If Pentecost had led 2,700 people to faith, it would have been a failure, but in the sense that all 3,000 of those people
0: mattered.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I have a, just a question, Joe. You mentioned that the longer churches exist, the maybe more inward focus they become. Why do you think that is, before we move on to either of the other goals? like What what causes that?
2: Yeah, I think there are uh, probably several different reasons that that happens, Um Nothing nefarious. I don't think we quit caring about non-Christians. I think what happens is that uh, um, when somebody first becomes a Christian, everybody they know, all their other friends are non-Christians. That's that's the circle they ran in. Then we pull them into the church, and in an effort to disciple them, they start building relationships with Christian people. And in a very short amount of time, probably a two- or three-year period of time, uh, they don't have any more time or the social uh, yeah. relationships okay, yeah. yeah for uh for non-christians um which is and one, then it becomes the other thing is that that I think that we are solving with reimagine uh in large part because of Zach is that we're trying to figure out how to share our faith without it being so awkward I think people fear sharing their faith because when they've tried to do it before, it's been they've been trying to uh, to push Jesus into a conversation where uh, it just doesn't he doesn't really fit, and uh, instead of a natural way to talk about Jesus. So I am I am uh, really excited about this particular goal. Number one, because I think we have a bunch of people that are going to be uh, wanting uh, to win their friends and relatives to Jesus. We're going to give them a tool to do it. But also for me personally, just thinking about this goal has made me change my morning walk. When I walk around my neighborhood now, I pray for my neighbors by name, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking in my head, I have got to build relationships with these people. And I think
1: that's the final reason why numbers are so helpful, is because the, because you're saying, hey, if, if we're healthy, this is going to happen. Right. And and that means this number is going to happen. All of a sudden, you start to be mindful of things you might not have been mindful of before, right? And so and so, what happens is, for example, in our church, is we start saying, "Hey, we want everyone to have uh, something they're doing in the community. We mm-hmm. want everybody yeah. to ha- to be a a friend to someone who is not a Christian." It's making some people go hey, you know, wait a minute, I don't do anything in the community, and I don't have any friends that are not Christians, and I don't know, without the number and without the conversation shifting to that, right. if we would be mindful of that. And, and so there's something, something about, look, all the self-help people out there, the life coaches, all of them will tell you that uh, a major component to life is setting goals. Right. right, setting goals. Not even because you're going to achieve every goal, but because the mindset of setting goals is that it focuses you on if I want to get there, what, what I do mean, I need yeah. to do today? Who do I need to be? And I think what we want is a church that says, "Hey, we have a goal. Who do I need to be so that we, we can lead people to yep. Christ for the glory yeah. of Jesus and the good of our neighbors?"
2: Yeah, and when we did the spontaneous baptism, we counted the. You know, we said 565 people, yeah. or whatever. We're baptized this day, and I keep looking forward to that. there is something too. The people who have the most joy in our church are the people who have just come to Christ. The people who've been Christians for a long time uh, sometimes tend to be a little crankier. They take things for granted. They—it's uh, just an interesting phenomenon. But the people who've just come to know Jesus. So what we're looking for, uh, you know, in this first goal, is really something that uh, will be great for the kingdom, great for ourselves as disciples, but also just uh, you get uh, 20 people around you worshiping who have just come to know Jesus, uh, your joy quotient will go up. And uh, our excitement as a church is going to be like, I think, like a snowball rolling down a hill that will just gain momentum as the years go by. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I should say too that, and this is going to be true of all these numbers, but I think the other two might it might be a little more self-explanatory. Sometimes the setting goals is is more so for us as a staff even yeah, than it is. Right. The same you know, thing. really what we're yeah. thinking is, hey, we want you to be involved in the community. We want you to have friends that are not Christians that you're telling about Jesus. Those things aren't surprising you probably assumed that as leaders of your church we always wanted that. I think what it does for us as a staff is going, "Hey, what ministries and programs and events and are we doing as a church to engage people who aren't Christians. And uh, I know for our staff, that has had a really sharpening and focusing yep. effect on how we think about ministry and how we do ministry.
2: All right, let's go to the second one.
1: Yeah, 60
0: churches. Why would we do that? Well, I can answer that. Just, well, hey, before yeah.
2: you answer it, that one of the questions I, that I've gotten several times is, hey, why, why start new churches? Why not help existing churches? So, yeah,
1: and it, it's a good question. And I don't know that the two are mutually exclusive, first of all, um, but I would say that uh, in the neighborhoods that we're targeting, are uh, the communities that we're targeting with Orchard, again, which I'll just say because I think it, it's helpful to hear, uh, all we're looking for in any community is a church that meets these four marks. They need to first be an Orthodox church. The Bible is true. Jesus is the Son of God, crucified and resurrected. They need to be a church that has a biblical view of sexuality. They need to be a church that has at least 100 people and has a decent website. Did not say a great website, just a decent one. Um, And that speaks to their uh, heart to reach out to neighbors. So when we say that in 60 neighborhoods in Northeast Ohio, we cannot find that. We're saying there's not a single church that meets those criteria. Well, uh, often that's not by accident. You know, I think we have to be mindful of the fact that if an existing church was coming to Orchard and saying, hey, can you help us? in this community, and we'll do whatever you think is best. We'll, we we would at least have, an, and in fact, have had exploratory yeah. conversations with churches who are saying that. But I think in general, churches are like other organizations. When when they find themselves to be ineffective, there are reasons for that. Right. And they're not always willing to acknowledge those reasons or even to change how how they do things. So we're saying oftentimes... Uh, the easiest and most effective missional thing to do is to start from scratch. It's to build something new that has no baggage in the community, no background in the community, but is something entirely new and interesting and exciting. But again, we definitely leave the door open for working with existing churches that are so inclined. As for the number of 60, that just Frankly, that is the number of communities in Northeast Ohio that we've identified who do not have effective gospel-preaching churches. So that's the goal, because that's that's the need. If the need had been 53, that, that would have been the goal. But based on our research, that number is 60, and so to get there, two a, a year, year yeah. for 30 years.
2: Okay. Yeah, one of the things that people will ask, too, is—or uh, will say, well— you know, how are you how sure are you that they don't have a gospel-preaching church? I just want to go. Any one of those communities, including our own, yeah, could, use could use another gospel-preaching exactly. church. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah, that's so, right.
1: Yeah, so if, if, you know, unfortunately we double up efforts somewhere, that's probably not the end of the world. I mean, you think about uh, CCC, which has thousands of people coming on a weekend, and yet there are, what, 20,000 plus living in Hudson right? alone, right, right. which means there's a lot of people in Hudson that are not Christians that are not coming to... To our church, church so there are yeah more people, more people to to reach. But I will say, every summer we redo our research, and so that number can go up if unfortunately churches close, or it can go down if other churches plant churches or churches get healthy or grow. Or and so we're recalibrating. So that is one goal that theoretically could shift year to year based on. But what we're saying is what we can commit to doing is two a year for. 30
0: years. Right. Okay, Let's okay. next goal. Number three, which is the goal to give $30 million away uh, over the next 30 years to gospel-centered ministry around the world. Let's yeah, some questions
2: I get with that is uh, how much uh, has CCC traditionally given? How much have we given over the last 30 mm-hmm. years? Uh, how much did we give last year? And uh, I always tell people, I, I don't know how much we've given in the last 30 years. <clears throat> I know it's increased... Uh, I know that our people are generous and that we've been able to do Micah 6-8 weekends that have increased the giving that we are able to give to global missions. Um, And we probably gave uh, over a million dollars last year. The thing that's going to change is uh, what Zach was saying. As we are adding or uh, sending out churches uh, to a year, we're also sending out people and sending out resources uh, so it means that that this is going to be uh, this could be a stretch as well, and uh, we are going to try to uh, pick these global partners uh, that uh, are doing phenomenal work, um, mostly indigenous pastors planting right. churches, churches, because that seems like it makes sense with what we're doing.
0: Well, and I
1: think another thing just to point out in that is. Um, I'm excited about how we're gonna be even making a lot of those ministries just more accessible and more visible to you, our church, as well, so that you'll feel more and understand and be more a part of what already you have been giving to, because a lot of these ministry partners we've already been giving towards, but you might not have even been aware, and that's our bad on us, and we wanna try and continue to put that in front of you so you can share in our excitement about the ministry that's going on around the world. And we're working on some tangible ideas in that direction including a physical space in the building yeah. that you can visit uh, that will show you all that we're doing globally. I think the other thing is to keep in mind the word that's been coined over the last 20, 30 years, which is that word glocal, which is the idea that the global world is becoming local, local too. as yep. people travel. And that really for globe, what global means for us is anything beyond 10 miles, that isn't church planting. And so we're also excited about the Lord showing us what he's doing in Columbus and in Akron and Toledo and and in other parts of the United States as he gathers the nations here in America because I think what is true is that there are people groups that it's impossible right now. I mean of course not everything's possible with God, but from a human level it's impossible to get the gospel to them in their particular mm-hmm. geographic setting, but in God's grace, they are here, here yep. and, and work can begin among them in order that they might eventually take the gospel back uh, where they come from. So uh, I think we're excited about exploring all possibilities um, here, there, and everywhere, again, directly following the mission of Jesus to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of, of the world. I think the other thing that might be good for us to talk about is why 30 years So every one of these goals connects to a 30-year time window. What was the thinking behind setting a long-term goal?
2: I think part of that came from uh, knowing we had been around for a certain number of years, actually a little bit more than 30, and God had brought us to a certain place, and we hadn't really um, taken stock kind of 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 what God had done already and the resources that we had, and what we were prepared to do, and how God had gathered a certain kind of, uh, certain group of people together for our church and for our staff, and then we began to dream yeah. about where uh, God could take us next. Thirty years is a is a whole generation. Yep. Um, so uh, we felt like it was time to go ahead and and look out further than just a one year uh, plan, which was what we had been doing for a while.
1: Yeah, and I think it's good to think about one year versus 30 years. There are strengths and weaknesses to both approach. Right, You know, the annual goal uh, or vision, the exciting thing about that was right about the time that you felt like, okay, I've I've got that, something new is coming down the line. But the drawback of that approach is you can do less right. in a year than you can do in 30 years. And I, think, I know for me there was something exciting about saying, what if we committed to a few things for a long time, You know, how – and I just always – for me, the 30 years, I always think about 30 years from now, if in God's grace, I could look back over my life and say, hey, I was a part of these three things happening, that those would probably be, honestly, the most significant things that I was ever part of in my entire life from an eternal perspective. And there's something compelling about that, I think.
2: And I think of the – with a 30-year goal, uh, the quote that we have from Hudson Taylor who started the China Inland Mission – Uh, where he said uh, that when you do attempt something great for God, first it's impossible, then it's difficult, then it's done. And you can't do that in one year. You can't attempt something impossible, then it go to difficult, then it go to done in a year. In 30 years, when we're talking about 10,000 people coming to know Jesus, 60 church plants in 60 different communities, and then $30 million, uh, we're looking at something that seems impossible And then uh, some of us will watch it become difficult, and then some of us will see it done, which is what we look forward to.
0: You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged.com at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.